Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Staples on three. You're about to hear the horns. There they are. You know what that means. It's an emergency show. Something big has happened. And that big thing is Jim Harbaugh is headed to the NFL. Adam Schefter from ESPN reporting that he's agreed to terms with the Chargers. Our Chris Ballas from the Wolverine here with us. He's been following this. But basically most of his life at this point. Uh, Ballas, what the hell happened today? <laughs> well, you and I recorded a show about three hours ago that's worthless. That's true. Yeah, so, uh, but we knew this possibility was coming, and it was crazy. Um, you know, I've talked to people involved with NIL and people who were had meetings set up with Harbaugh today in Ann Arbor, and they expected him to be there on the way over there to talk to him about some of these NIL deals. And uh, Jim Harbaugh wasn't there. He was still in L.A. Uh, interviewing with the Chargers. So, um, you know what? This is what he wanted, guys. And Michigan sweetened the pot. They basically – acquiesced to all of his demands and said, look, we're going to make you the highest paid coach in the country, not just the big 10. We're going to have an escalator clause in there. So that continues to go up. We're going to have the bill self clause in there. But at the end of the day, fellas, Jim Harbaugh wants to coach in the NFL and he wants to chase that Lombardi trophy. A lot of people will argue whether or not he can win it there, but you know what? I don't think a lot of people would bet against him either given the kind of career that he's had. So Jesse Simonson on three national columnist, you posed a very interesting question to me before we started this show. What was that question? Yeah, I said, who, you know, what sort of odds would you have had? And Chris, you know, even if someone told you this, as much fawning as Jim Harbaugh's had with the NFL, what sort of odds would you have had if someone told you six weeks ago that three of the four coaches in the college football playoff, that now being Nick Saban, uh, Kalen DeBoer and Jim Harbaugh are no longer at their respective schools. Steve Sarkeesian is the last one standing. Just some crazy musical chairs. I mean, the odds on that are, are just kind of bananas, I think. It is crazy. But, but with Jim, you know what? We kind of knew, guys, right, yeah. that he had that itch. He was gone two years ago if he'd gotten the Minnesota job. He, you know, the interview didn't go well. This time around, he hired an agent. When he hired Don Yee, fellas, to me, that was a was critical because Jim Harbaugh hadn't had an agent before then. He'd had lawyers, but now you've got a guy that's keeping the lid on top of things. And it was always clear 
always clear that he was interested in chasing that Lombardi trophy and catching his brother. Now he's got a national championship, fellas. He's accomplished everything that he can at Michigan. I kind of would have bet on Jim Harbaugh. If you told me Nick Saban was retiring, wouldn't have surprised me. And there were a lot of people that thought Kalen DeBoer wanted the Michigan job too if Harbaugh left. So that wouldn't have stunned me either. So regardless, it is what it is, fellas. It's a college football. Expect Sharon Moore to be named Michigan's next head coach with incentive seven to 10 days, according to people who were working on the Harbaugh contract as well. So I think that's where Michigan turns. Is is, is that Andy, my bold prediction? Post- oh, true. My I last one. Remember, I yes. told you I had one outstanding bold prediction that I was waiting to be revisited. Chris, I had it at the beginning of the season. I said, I thought this was an all or nothing year for Michigan and that Jim Harbaugh, this would be his last season in Ann Arbor. Took a little while, but we finally got there. We finally we got resolution. Yeah. Thank so, God. Right. Go ahead, Andy. So Chris, Chris, the, the seven to 10 days for Sharon Moore thing, is that a posting requirement? That, that sort of thing? Yeah. State of Michigan posting requirement. Everybody knows, uh, you know, he's basically been on the road and saying, Hey, if it's not Jim, it's going to be me recruiting. And the coaches have been saying it as well. Now it's who goes with Jim Harbaugh, right? We've heard yeah. when he going to Minnesota, it was going to be Grant Newsom. It was going to be Matt Weiss, who's obviously no longer with the program. Ben Herbert's the big one. They want to keep the strength coach. And it sounds like he wants to stick around right now. Uh, from what we've heard, it might just be Jesse Minter who we'd heard before the season wanted to be an NFL defensive coordinator. Anyway, this is probably, be his last year at Michigan and then Jay Harbaugh obviously Jim's son so those are the two we'll keep an eye on right now but uh at this point if he can keep the, the amount of staff together man if he can keep Ben Herbert and those guys together he's gonna have a much better chance to succeed well the Ben Herbert thing is very important he's one of the best strength coaches in the country already the highest paid strength coach in the country I believe but you talk to those Michigan players and they say that's their guy and I feel like if, if you if they promote more if they keep Herbert they got a good chance of when this 30-day portal window opens in the morning, Ugh. not losing a bunch of guys. Like I would think that will and and you gotta with the with the more thing, even though there's that posting requirement, you probably need to get let the the folks internally know, hey, this is happening. Yeah, and they know, uh, you know, they just have to, it's basically the votes have been taken, everybody's on board with it, and everybody loves Sharon Moore. What's not to love about a guy that came in and won three huge games down the stretch, and uh, including Penn State on the road, Ohio State at home, fellas, uh, you know, this guy's a a rising star, but at the same time, he's not Jim Harbaugh, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, so not just to keep the players uh, here that are, you know, that are going to be getting NIL offers from other places. I talked to somebody directly involved tonight, Jared Wangler uh, with Michigan's NIL, the champion circle. And he said, we are going to have to re-recruit these kids all over again. And agents have already told him before they've even hit the portal that their kids are, they're going to be shopping their kids around a little bit. Fortunately, the culture is strong. They all love Sharon Moore. To me, this makes the most sense, fellas. It's most logical. This is your best chance to keep your best players here. And there's still a lot of them here at Michigan. There's not the depth that there was last year, and they still need a quarterback, but still a lot of talent here that they have to keep here. So Renee in the chat says, Michigan players are now in the transfer portal for 30 days. Noel Nation, that's right. Florida State, very good in the transfer portal. Uh, yeah, I got my own personal list of guys that I'd be tampering with right now. Uh, <laughs> it starts with number 78, Kenneth Grant, my maybe my favorite player in call, all of college football. I love that guy. But he also loves Michigan, so I don't think <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that you have much of a chance on that. But Jesse, you know, if, if you are Michigan, how do you keep these guys there? What do, what are you doing right now? What what are the steps you're taking to make sure that it's not a situation where some of the best players are picked off, like when Saban left Alabama? Well, and unfortunately, you know, in that situation, Greg Byrne kind of put. Uh, I thought, you know, an uh, an unnecessary noose around his neck, and yet he he accomplished what he set out to do. He, he told the guys, "Hey, I'm gonna have a coach within 72 hours." He he, he landed Kalen DeBoer in, in just under 48, and so the fact that Michigan now has to wait to cross these T's and dot the I's for the seven to ten days, they better be doing some back channeling, don't you think, guys? I mean, this is they have to be having these transparent conversations behind the scenes. I know that seems like you know, kind of a contradictory, but, you know, they need to be talking to Will Johnson, to Kenneth Grant, uh, to their stud tight end. I mean, these guys that they want to keep in Ann Arbor, um, you know, Donovan Edwards, that kind of the, the foundational pieces of the team. And I think the more of those guys that I think quickly in the next four or five days come out and rubber stamp and say, hey, they kind of make it a public announcement. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying at Michigan, maize and blue all day. 
I think that's going to probably send a message to kind of the rest of the locker room. I'm sure there will be some defect deflections, but if Sharon Moore is going to be the guy and that's made known to folks behind the scenes, I do think that should assuage some of the concerns about this roster being hemorrhaged like what we've seen at Alabama, Washington, and Arizona. So Chris, how did this process go behind the scenes? Take us from, you know, the national title game. A bunch of us talked to, to Ward Manuel, the athletic director afterward. We all interviewed Jim Harbaugh and Manuel said, Hey, I'm, I'm ready for the NFL to come after him. I I'm prepared. What has happened in the, in the two weeks since then? Yeah. You know what? Today was really when we found out that they were, you know, basically acquiescing to all of his demands and saying, look, this is, we, we want to keep him here. I know that president Santa Ono, he told me on the field after that game, fellas against Washington, that he's like, I'm going to do everything I can to keep him here. And he kind of took the lead on this ward manual. Yes. He came out and said at the, the event following the, the championship, the celebration that I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm working on a contract for this guy, but uh, it was at a snail's pace and it had been for three and a half years. And in fact, Jim Harbaugh brought this up in the fall and said, you know, yeah, I've been saying it for three and a half years. I do want a new deal. Uh, and we reported that, that, okay, the, the car contract's finally in the works here. And then you used to have the NCAA stuff come, come up. And uh, obviously that threw a monkey into the wrench there, fellas. But uh, at the end of the day, they had all agreed that Jim Harbaugh's our guy. He should be the highest paid coach in college football. And they did everything that they could to keep him. Uh, some people are going to argue that that's not true. I don't agree with that. I think, okay, when you've got the self clause, when you've got, okay, you're going to make him the highest paid coach in football. You, the, the, you know, it just keeps going up and up and up at the end of the day. It was just that Jim Harbaugh wanted the NFL. And we'd heard that yeah. so many times guys. And, uh, and that's basically what drove him back there. Well, and, and you mentioned the, the, the self clause is it, this is, this is really interesting because if Jim Harbaugh had come back, this clause was going to be inserted into his contract. And what I'm about to put on the screen is actually from Bill Self's contract, the Kansas basketball coach. And this got put in in 2021 when that in, the NCAA investigation into the FBI basketball investigation was still going on. So here's what it says. Basically, the current infractions case, you can't fire him for cause no matter what penalties are handed down from the, the current infractions case. That's how you would handle this. I know a lot of people talk about an immunity clause and there was no immunity. It wasn't like you could make someone immune from the NCAA punishing them, but you could say, we won't fire you for this one thing. And I think we're going to see that in some contracts. And I would imagine, Chris, you got to put this in Jerome Moore's contract, right? Yes, I think so. And, and it's a good point. And, but I do believe, you know, with Jim Harbaugh leaving, you know, you saw what happened to Tennessee. Are you now looking mm -hmm. at half of your NCAA problems going away? You know, if you can't, yes, your own more, I, I really believe that. So um, to me, yeah, it solves that problem. And at the same time, you lose one of the best coaches in football. Well, and Jesse, the, to, to Chris's point, I think this is interesting because you and I have talked about this with the Connor Stallion stuff. Like they've got that head coach responsibility thing where they can tag anything to the head coach, whether they knew about it or not. And it's a fair, this is a fairly recent change in the way the NCAA handles this stuff. If the head coach who you can tag it to is gone, I don't know how much you can do with the Connor Stallion stuff at this point. Yeah, and if and if Sharon's already been punished with the suspension he served uh, for Burger Gate or whatever you want to call that whole ordeal, I think Michigan's administration would likely, like you guys just mentioned, would put the similar clause in his contract that they have in Harbaugh's uh, or that they presented to Jim today and say, hey, we're, we're going to back our guy, and, and we, th we think now that this is going to be much to do about nothing. So Just, I do have a question for Chris, though. Yes. I, you know, it. because we, we it's so kind of perfunctory that we say, hey, Sharon's going to be the guy. What what sort of Rolodex does he have in that defensive coordinator search? You know, because I wrote that I wrote a column this morning and on three mm -hmm. kind of talking about that very transition that that's going to be it's not going to be Michigan losing the roster. It's going to be keeping Ben Herbert, as you guys mentioned, keeping that strength coach in Ann Arbor, which you're suggesting uh, seems to be the plan. But then it's going to be who's going to replace Jesse Minter because the whole Baltimore Ravens pipeline thing is probably going to be dried out. You, you, you had Mike McDonald. Jesse Minter was a great, you know, uh, transition piece. I, there's not another guy on Michigan staff that has any coordinator experience in terms of play calling. So do you go and get a guy like Jim Leonard or, 
you know, who, who are maybe some guys that we should keep an eye on in that? Case? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one that people have been asking us. And there are two things on this. Steve Klingscale was the co-defensive coordinator last year, and he's in the secondary there. He's going to keep that title at the very least. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising to see, you know what, if he and Mike Elston, if they were going to promote from within, Mike Elston's been around forever. He's had a little bit of a coordinator experience, I think, on an interim basis at Notre Dame, but it's been around a long time, and a lot of people think it's his time. But what you want to do, guys, you don't want to change up the defense and teach something completely different. Uh, you remember when they brought Don Brown in? You know, it was, okay, it was great, and then it wasn't when people got used to it, and but it took some getting used to in the terminology. The best part about going from McDonald to Minter was that you had basically two guys that came from the same system. Will there be another guy on that Ravens staff, fellas, that, an up-and-comer? Because Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore are this close. Uh, John Harbaugh has been very supportive. Maybe there's a guy waiting in the wings that John Harbaugh says, okay, this was going to be my next guy in line like he did with Mike McDonald, and maybe we can help you out. But uh, it is something I know that they've been thinking about because Jesse Minner, again, and talking to people who had lunch with him before the year, they said this is probably going to be his last year. But the last thing you want to do is get somebody in here with a whole new system, especially when you have some really good pieces coming back fellas on that defense well and i think the way this happens with basically michigan having jim harbaugh's back throughout all the ncaa stuff giving him the space to do this and not not being mad about it i, I know there are some fans that are mad about the way this has gone down especially in terms of future recruiting and what's been going on the last two weeks but as long as jim's happy with them and they're happy with him like i would think the jim and john relationships both stay open the John Harbaugh internship program stays, you know, functional. And like whatever rising stars he may have on his defensive staff, he can call Sharon Moore and say, hey, here you go. Yes, it's 100% true. And he, I mean, he and Sharon are like, like I said, like this. And he says he's kind of like a son to me, right? And uh, he's been Sharon Moore's mentor. He's been basically prepping prepping him for this moment. There's been talk before the, the season that, hey, Jim's might be wanting to go back to the NFL. This is the last dance. You remember you and I had that conversation, Andy, yep. and that uh, Sharon would probably be the guy. So uh, this is not one of those situations where he's leaving San Francisco and everybody's pissed off, right? Maybe there'll be some people at Michigan that are upset, but I can tell you that the president Santa Ono loves him uh, and he's going to be supportive of him. Like he said, whatever his decision is, Jim Harbaugh is not going to burn his, burn it down uh, going out of Michigan. He's a legend there, right? He's probably going to have a, a statue someday next to Bo Schembechler outside of Schembechler hall. Uh, that's how much he was revered in Ann Arbor. So uh, I think this is something more to be celebrated than to say, Hey, you know what? We're pissed off at you. And I think the majority of the Michigan fan base will be disappointed, but they will understand that. So guys, we're going to talk about Jim Harbaugh's legacy at Michigan, the job he did, how he really had two separate tenures there. There's a, there's a lot to unpack here, but first I got to tell the folks about game time and look, we're telling you right now, Sharon Moore is the next head coach at Michigan. You want to watch some Sharon Moore, Michigan games? Well, guess what? His first season is going to be a doozy because week two, the Longhorns are coming in. That's right. Steve Sarkeesian, the one coach who is still with his team from the playoff. They're going to Michigan on September 7th. You can get tickets on game time. Download that app. Use the code Staples for $20 off your first purchase. But that's not all. Do you want to see the USC Trojans in the big house? Yeah, that's happening on September 21st. Or... Maybe you want to go to the coast. Maybe you want to see Michigan and Washington in Seattle on October 5th. It's all there for you at game time. Download the game time app. Redeem the code staples for $20 off your first purchase. And I got to tell you, game time has been with us through this entire Michigan saga because I remember when the Potter Stallion story first broke, I said, boy, I hope he was using game time. <laughs> and I hope he was. So download the app. Use the code staples. 20 bucks off your first purchase thank you again it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas same time all right, let's let's talk Harbaugh. First, let's let's hear from Tom in the chat because this is this is an interesting one for sure. Poor Ryan Day finally had a roster to beat Michigan, and now the win will be hollow without Harbaugh there. I I'll, let me throw one more up 
from from earlier that I saw that I thought was really interesting uh, from Brad, who I think is an Ohio State fan. Third base Sharon. Okay. So this is in reference to Jim Harbaugh saying certain people were were born on third base and didn't hit the triple. Uh, referring to Ryan Day. This was after the two, 2021 Michigan-Ohio State game. Uh, I will point out to Brad that Sharon Moore has exactly as many wins in the Michigan-Ohio Ohio State series as Ryan Day. No, Ryan Day actually had a couple before he uh, – before. Um, no, he has one. He has 2019. Yeah, no, that's right. You're right. That's right. He There's had the one. So he's got the right. exact same amount. How about, of how about this, though, Andy? I, I, tweeted <laughs> yeah. this out, I tweeted this out just a few minutes ago because uh, I mentioned this in my column this morning. Uh, Sharon Moore, four games as an interim head coach, two top ten wins. James yeah. Franklin in 11 years at Penn State, three. <laughs> yeah, you have it, right? And you can say it was Harbaugh's guys. You know what? Sharon Moore did a great job helping recruit that roster. He's an outstanding recruiter. I can't wait to see what he does, fellas, on the recruiting trail because we've been told his philosophy is a little bit different than the transformational, not transactional that Jim Harbaugh had. He might be a little bit more willing to be aggressive on the recruiting trail, which is obviously what you need. But, uh, again, this guy – has been uh, really one of the, the motivations for guys to stick around uh, when they all knew that Jim Harbaugh might leave. Donovan Edwards, for example, when we talked to him, he said, you know what, if Jim wants to go, he can go and he should go because he's accomplished everything he wants to accomplish here. He knew, and everybody in that locker room knows that Sharon Moore is the next guy, and I think that's what's going to play to Michigan's advantage here. But you know what, I think he's got a chance um, as a great young recruiter if he keeps that staff uh, intact and uh, starts to put it together on the recruiting trail. Michigan hasn't been where it needs to be, that he could be really, really successful here. We've seen it before. So we got some folks that, that have not been paying attention to the show at all over the last few weeks. Uh, Archangel in the chat says he's taking practically his entire coaching staff. No, he's not. He's probably taking Jesse Mentor and Jay Harbaugh. Right. That's As not now. practically his entire Unless L.A. decides they want to pay $1.6 million for a strength coach is what we were told it would take. When, when all of their players have private trainers. Yeah, I, right. I, I'm sure that's yeah. no NFL team has done that yet. And I don't I don't see them doing it now. I don't either. Mason in the chat. Mason's been trying to drop this in the chat for about five days now. I'm going to address it here because everybody knows it's total BS at this point, except certain Mason. message boarders who keep trying to wish it into existence. Uh, Brian Kelly is likely a candidate for the Michigan. No, he's not. Brian no, Kelly is not leaving LSU. He's not going to Michigan. He's not. And Michigan doesn't want him. I can promise you that. They didn't want him the first <laughs> few times. They don't want him now. They know who their guy is and speaking to the people directly involved in this. And uh, and it's Sharon Moore. And it makes perfect sense, fellas, to try to keep that roster. Like Jesse said, to try to keep that roster intact. Uh, they love this guy. What Trevor Keegan, Michigan's offensive guard, said about him after the game, he saved my career and everybody in this locker room. Uh, really just adores this guy, but he's not just a player's coach. He'll come down on you as well. Uh, they have all the confidence in the world, and the culture is very strong, fellas. And, you know, as we saw from Bo Schembechler to Gary Moeller to Lloyd Carr, culture can take you a long way, even if you're not the best coach in the country. Well, and you don't have to just stack five stars anymore. I think Michigan proved that. I think Washington showed us that this year. Uh especially Michigan, the way they strategically recruited out of the portal the last few years. And that's something that Harbaugh probably didn't get enough credit for. And, you know, maybe maybe it was some of the younger guys on the staff that, that were the driving force there. Because I will say a couple of the later transfer portal additions that they've gotten over the last couple of years, offensive linemen, two centers, Olu, Olu Timmy and, and Drake Nugent. Ladarius Henderson, the left tackle this year. So, hey, Sharon Moore had a little bit to do with that. Who knows? Uh, but but also Josiah Stewart, the edge rusher from, from Coastal Carolina. They got a player from UMass who, who played a huge role. Like that, they are they're good at that. And I imagine that's something this spring that they'll have to address. But look, before we get to that, because we do need to talk about going forward with Michigan quarterback, all that stuff. But I want to unpack the Harbaugh era because I am fascinated by how this all went down. Because I remember 2014. Like, I distinctly remember watching the Michigan-Minnesota game in 2014 and Brady Hoke sitting there with no headset. Like, what are we even doing here, guys? Like, what, what is going on with this storied program that can't beat Ohio State, can't beat Michigan State, and is losing to the likes of Rutgers, Maryland, and Minnesota in the same year? Like, 
that was that was what Jim Harbaugh got brought into. And Chris, you you covered this, so you you can give us more background on it. But walk us through Jim Hackett, who was the interim AD after Dave Brandon, going and getting Jim Harbaugh from the 49ers. Yeah, it was they called it Project Unicorn, right? And they did a great job of keeping it on the down low because everybody, all of the NFL experts were saying the same thing. There's no way that Jim Harbaugh's coming here. He's not a candidate. And we knew better. We had two or three well-placed sources saying that, okay, Jim is completely focused on the San Francisco 49ers right now. But at the same time, um, you know what? He's very interested in Michigan. So we saw that and uh, and we were, you know what? Uh, we kept a close eye on it. And when it became very apparent that uh, it was going to be Jim Harbaugh. That was it. Everybody thought that the, the program was saved. So, um, and sure enough, it took a while, but like you said, it was two different, basically two different eras of Jim Harbaugh. It was the one that had the, um, that, you know, had the disappointment in the last three years were fantastic. So that was everything that Michigan hoped it would be. It, it, and that's the thing. What happened the first time, like the first part of it is they got better immediately. They beat the teams they were supposed like, I remember going to, I don't remember if it was Jim Harbaugh's, it wasn't Jim Harbaugh's first spring game. I think it was his second spring game at Michigan. And coming away just marveling that they had zero false start penalties on their offensive line for an entire spring game, even though they just split the teams. It wasn't first team, second team. So these were guys that weren't used to playing together. And zero for false start penalties, zero procedural stuff. And I'm like, okay, so they're going to have the fundamentals down. But can they can they beat the teams that are elite? Can they do that? And it took a while to get there. First, they had to turn the Michigan State rivalry around. They did that. But then the Ohio State thing just kept going. And I will never forget sitting in there in 2019. So this is, you know, the 2018 is the year they go to Columbus. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite. They get 63 hung on them. The next year, you're like, all right, no way they do it again. Urban Meyer's gone. They're not going to do this to him again. In the big house, Ohio State thumps Michigan. Every new crossing route is a fresh hell. Like, and I remember Jim Harbaugh gets asked, is it a talent gap? Is it a recruiting gap? Or is it a coaching gap? And Jim Harbaugh's eyes just whip around to the guy asking the question in that moment. And he said, I'll I'll answer your questions, not your insults. And I'm like, that's not an in that's a fair question. Mm -hmm. It was a Hundred percent fair question there, but how did he fix this? Like That's it was, it was broken after twenty twenty. Jesse, well, yeah, and and I think a lot has been. You know, Bruce Feldman has written a lot about you know, kind of he, he's I think been really plugged in there. Uh, your former colleague Andy um, with writing some of the behind the scenes stuff on on the, that transition with Harbaugh. I think the uniqueness of this entire deal because we are kind of you know, expressing how it is kind of like two different uh, tenures almost in the same time is, is Harbaugh is going to be an outlier here, guys, in terms of athletic director's patience. You know, yeah. he was winning at Michigan, but he wasn't winning enough to the fans, you know, fans' expectations. Now, him being back at his alma mater, I think certainly gave him a longer rope than a lot of other coaches. But the fact that he was able to not only stick it out, but to stick it out, pivot you know he was a guy that was running the spread offense with Shea Patterson and then really after the COVID year was like hey let's embrace physicality let's embrace toughness he kind of changed his whole philosophy I think with how he's approached the players um behind the scenes stuff obviously with guys like Ben Herbert you know making some key hires going younger um on on his staff in general with guys like Sharon Moore and others and now, and the fruits paid off, you know, you, you get kind of humbled and, and you win the big 10, you finally get over the hump against Ohio state three years ago, but then you get humbled by Georgia. You, you come back and not only do you double down, but you beat Ohio state again last season, but then you, you know, kind of lay an egg, maybe have a little bit overconfidence against TCU. This whole entire season, the entire 2023 season felt like Michigan with everybody knowing that this probably was Harbaugh's last season, wanting to get back to the NFL, that they were pushing all their chips in, in, and it worked. He dialed up all the right numbers. The fact that he was suspended for half the season when he only coached in six regular season games, uh, and they still go undefeated. They then win the big playoff game to beat Alabama, kind of slay the, the giant that is the Tide. 
and then emphatically win a national championship. I mean, it's kind of a remarkable arc. Um, I do think, you know, college football is going to miss Jim Harbaugh just as a personality, as a character. I don't think that that there's not going to be a lot that's written about that right away in this immediate aftermath, but you know, he, he not, he's a guy that was, you know, piping off about the sec Andy, you know, six, seven years ago and satellite camps and drinking milk and talking about sleeping over at recruits house to now in the present day, you know, he's been kind of advocating for players rights, um, yeah. pushing that, you know, these totally guys different. should be, con- should be contractually paid totally different, uh, but still a great personality. So he, he will be missed. So Chris, I got to ask you this. Well, well, before we, before I ask you this, we'll go back mm-hmm. to 2020. Everything we, we know now that everything that happened in 2020 was an anomaly, essentially, other than Alabama being really good because they had the best receiving core in the history of the world. But everything else pretty much was an anomaly, did not track with anything that came before it or after it. So, but Michigan didn't know that at the time. All they knew is they, they'd gotten crushed by Ohio State a couple years in a row. They, they had lost a bunch of games and you know, the games they'd played in 2020, they'd look terrible. They were, they were overhauling everything. So if Jim Harbaugh is not Jim Harbaugh, Michigan alum, does he get fired there instead of them cutting his pay? Great question. And I don't think so. You know, Michigan operates a little bit differently. Uh, Rich Rodriguez was a bad fit and everybody knew it. Everybody's going to say, well, they got rid of rich after three years and yeah, uh, that's true. But they would have gotten rid of him after one at most places. Exactly. Or two yeah. at most, right? So yeah. especially a place like Michigan with Brady Hoke, you know, it was just, they almost gave Brady Hoke another year. In fact, Dave Brand or, uh, you know, Jim Hackett said, you know what? Um, I, I really liked Brady Hoke. And, uh, you know, if I, we'd had a little more time, you know, to give him a little bit more help with his staff, you know, maybe it could have worked here. But when it comes to Jim Harbaugh, he's a proven commodity, right? And if it's not Jim Harbaugh, then who is it? I think is what yeah. a lot of people thought, you know, if he can't win here, then who can uh, the irony about it guys is that they were convinced that Ohio state had their signals uh, on defense uh, for the, the two years that they got destroyed. Um, and they didn't know, have their signals. John Brown was just really Don Brown was really predictable. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. But they were putting up signs. You know, I remember it was the, uh, the citrus bowl against Alabama. They were putting up signs behind the bench cause they were, con- they were convinced, but others told us all they had to do was to put the tight end in motion and they knew what defense was coming. Right. So regardless, um, you know what, everybody wants to say, well, give, this is what really lit the fire under Jim Harbaugh was having his pay cut in half. And that might've been it. That was a blow to his ego. We know how he took it. It was hard for him. But um, to me, when they brought it, when he started bringing in some of the more of the Michigan guys, like Ron Bellamy and Mike Hart and some of these younger guys yeah. um, to me, and they got it back and he became more of a college coach again, guys, than he was, you know, for a long time, he operated like an NFL coach because that's what he was for three years before coming to Michigan uh, or four years. But then he got back to his roots as well. That speed and space crap out the door he's like i'm all right i'm going to use my tight end as a fullback we're going to do it my way and if it works great if it doesn't then at least we're going to die the way that i wanted to go and he got right back to his roots yeah i I actually feel jesse you mentioned this earlier i I feel like the the getting back to and not not only his roots he got back to michigan like there's some fielding yo stuff going on in there some some bo schimbeckler stuff like how much of of that just kind of reestablishing the identity jesse helped create what we saw this season. Oh, I, I, you're leading me. You almost like a horse leading me to water here, Andy. I mean, how remarkable is it that Jim Harbaugh spent the last 12 months talking about how JJ McCarthy is as good as Patrick Mahomes is a Superman quarterback. They never even needed those powers. They didn't even really need JJ to be special to win a national championship. He had flashes, you know, here and there, but Michigan was so well-rounded and so dominant in the trenches, both offensively and defensively, that they were able to literally grind their way to just, you know, pound opponents into the dust and win a national championship. And if that doesn't speak to just kind of the entire team and program embracing Harbaugh's, you know, who's got it better than us, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to pound and ground you into submission, I don't know what does. Again, McCarthy, I think, absolutely could be like the quarterback that Jim Harbaugh is about to go coach uh, with the Chargers, where he, you know, Justin Herbert didn't have a, a fantastic college career at Oregon. He was pretty good, had flashes. JJ McCarthy won a national championship, had flashes. 
I think McCarthy can be an ever, even better quarterback in the NFL. And then Jim's prediction would, would come to fruition as well. Yeah. And you know what? Eight passes guys against Penn state on the road. He threw eight times. They ran 32 times in a row. Would you have predicted that any program would be able to win a national championship the way that Michigan did? Because I thought those days were gone, fellas. I really did. No. And I'll tell you like after, and I realize I'm going back to that 2020 season, which I should never do, but like after that Alabama team, because, because you saw the way Nick Saban had evolved. You saw the way he had changed how his teams ran offensively. And is like, okay, if this guy, who's the, the best adapter of anybody, if this guy says that this is how it's to be done now, I guess this is how it's to be done. But as Jim Harbaugh and company prove, there's more than one way to, to skin a cat. And also, like, let's go, you know, to the to the folks who are Ohio State fans right now. Like, they would love if their team got back to where it could run the ball down people's throats. Like that was one of the best things they did at the height of the Urban Meyer era. And now they don't do it very well, and Michigan does, and it's a completely different... Like, the way this rivalry is flipped is mind-boggling to me, guys. Like, Ballas, I mean, did you wonder at one point if Michigan was ever going to win another game? Because that's what it felt like. Yes, yes. I said, how are you going to compete with this? You know what? Uh, this is what – you look at recruiting rankings, and there's certainly not everything, but uh, the way that Ohio State was moving the ball on them and the way that they were dominating both lines of scrimmage and still having that elite passing game, you're like, okay – and it almost seems like Ryan Day's gotten away from that a little bit. And they're still, even though they're recruiting the portal now, right? They don't have a ton of offensive linemen. And that's where Michigan's been winning these games. So uh, I give credit to Jim Harbaugh for saying, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And uh, But at the same time, you know what? Um, this changes a lot of things, fellas, because uh, Jim Harbaugh is an elite, an elite football coach. And now you're talking about handing it over to a guy that, yeah, he's got the one win against Ohio State, but he's going to have to recruit at a higher level, in my opinion, to get it there. But to your point, I think they had some guys that were under-recruited and underrated. If you look at a guy like Kenneth Grant, for example, who was a three-star at one point, and he's now out there running down running backs, Mason Graham <laughs> uh, is one of the best sophomore defensive tackles that I've ever seen at Michigan or anywhere else, uh, both of yep. those guys, and you got him for another year. But they Hey, were, hey, were hey Alabama fans, Courtney Morgan, the former Michigan player who was the yes. director of personnel at Michigan who helped unearth Mason Graham, he's now your guy. So. Yes. Congratulations yep. to Bama for that. Exactly. But that's where I thought that at Harbaugh was great. Hopefully Sharon Moore will be the same way because I do think he's an outstanding recruiter. And Ohio State's well, Andy's I, going back to that identity. I do think yeah. we're seeing that. I, I think we're seeing the moves that Ryan Day has made this offseason with it can maybe, maybe likely embracing more of the power, you know, QB run game by getting Will Howard. You get Quinshawn Judkins and Travion Henderson coming back. But as Chris just teased, it's been the offensive line that I think's held back the Buckeyes, and they haven't exactly loaded up there. They are bringing back their two tackles, Donovan, uh, the interior guard, but that wasn't a unit that was really moving a lot of people all that much a year ago. So, you know, Seth McLaughlin he can block a little bit, but if he's snapping it, you know, 18 yards over your quarterback's head, I don't, I don't know how much help that's going to be. He he may be he may be playing guard, but that's, let's let's be, talk yeah. about who let's talk about who's going to play. For Michigan this year, because uh, Ballas, when the segment that shall never be uh, shown, that will never see the light of day, where we were updating everyone on this, we did get into a discussion about who plays quarterback for Michigan this year. So I will ask you once again: Is Michigan starting twenty twenty four quarterback on the roster currently? I don't think so. Not unless they don't find somebody in the spring period, and uh, and there will be options out there, Andy. Uh, you know, I, I don't think, I think there will be some guys that are, don't want to wait their turn and they can say, Hey, I can go to Michigan and be the guy. Jake Rudock comes to mind right away. Iowa uh, and Jim Harbaugh's first year comes in and throws for over 3000 yards and uh, has a, an outstanding first year. So uh, there will be guys out there that they will pursue. Uh, Alex Orgy, I think there will be a bigger role for him in some capacity. He's too good an athlete to not be. But a lot of these guys, Jaden Denigal is another one. Jaden Davis, true freshman, I think he's going to have to wait his turn. And, and talking to people like Kirk Campbell, the Michigan's quarterbacks coach, at, at some of these bowl practices, he said the same thing. You know, he's just got to understand that he's, it's going to take some time. He's got to be patient. So I don't think it's going to be him right away. All these guys, though, 
texted immediately after J.J. McCarthy said that he was going to the NFL and said, look, guys, I am ready. I'm going to be that guy. And they've really taken it uh, upon themselves to get ready. But I don't think that guy is on the roster. I think they're going to have to go out and get somebody if they want to compete in the Big Ten. Well, that that's that is the next frontier is what's Michigan going to do? They've got to defend right now because the portal opens for 30 days with, with Jim Harbaugh leaving. So they got to play defense right now. And then they've got to go selectively pick and choose in their spots because as as the folks were pointing out, and as I was pointing out when I was doing that game time ad, Michigan's schedule is really hard next year. Yeah, it's not easy, man. You got Texas at home. Uh, you go out to Washington. The Washington, of course, has got a revamped roster, but uh, it's going to be a well-coached football team. I can promise you that. Uh, going to be slinging it all over the place again. And so you got Oregon. Uh, you got you have to go to Ohio State. Uh, you don't have Penn State on the schedule, but yeah, it's a lot tougher than this year. Guys, we knew it was a foregone conclusion going into that Penn State game that they could, you know, they were playing guys half games and three quarters of games before they got there. And you knew that they were going to be undefeated and it was a three, a three game season. So uh, that's not going to be the case this year. So I'm looking at a step back clearly, you know, maybe if you get a good quarterback, you know, nine and three, 10 and two, because uh, there's still a lot of talent, but there's just not going to be as much depth. So it's going to be on them to go out and get some pieces. I know they've already started working on it, fellas. Uh, I don't want to call it tampering, but, you know, there are some back channels there that we've, we've talked about that uh, I think it's going to be very attractive to some young quarterback prospect. They, they all tamper, but I, I'm sure a bunch of Ohio State fans just went, Jitters! <laughs> Jitters! We haven't even talked uh, about the cheating element of all this, guys. How, Chris, Chris, Chris well, we how much? But before we talk about that, let us talk about perhaps the best comment we've we've seen all night. Now, uh, we were talking about Alex Orgy, who you saw – in the Wildcat formation some toward the end of the season. Uh, Michael Brown in the chat deserves 100% credit for this one. Orgy's great. Herdy really gets a lot of people involved. I can confirm that uh, on the football field. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't confirm that ever. But, but best comment we've gotten all night, for sure. All right, let us talk about cheating. Let us talk about – and I'm, I'm going to use air quotes here because if you're a Michigan fan – you're getting mad at me because I even brought it up. Uh, if you're an Ohio State fan, you think everybody should go to jail. Uh, we could talk about Burgergate. We could talk about Connor Stallions. Uh, Burgergate is the one that does have some legs still because Sharon Moore clearly was caught up in it because Michigan suspended him for game one this year as a preemptive strike to whatever the NCAA is going to do. Yeah, and I think that was more about watching film of a kid when he wasn't supposed to be. And it was mm-hmm. the way it was explained to us. How dare he? A kid, yeah, a kid had uh, one one recruit, and I think it was Thomas Fedone who ended up at Nebraska, I believe. And he uh, his brother was sick or something like that. And he said, "Hey, my brother wants to show you that he's getting better. He had leukemia or or something. I don't want to I don't want to say that. I don't know the details, but th- he wanted to show him that he could do some push ups or something like that. So they're watching him do this." And uh, and so he got dinged for that. Uh, ooh, the horror. Right. But uh, <laughs> you know what? Um, so I think he's in the clear there. The one game was more than enough. Mike McDonald, I think, had a one year show cause for something. But obviously that didn't materialize into anything when he went back to the NFL. So but, you know, Michigan really needed to win this whole thing to make a lot of this go away. And you're still going to have the Ohio State fans, Michigan State fans saying, you know, oh, they got the asterisk there. But when the NCAA president comes out and says nobody's going to argue that you won this thing fair and square now, I think. The worst of it is is gone. Uh, they still haven't determined that Connor Stallions was on the sidelines at the Central Michigan game and the NCAA and its infinite wisdom there. Um, we know the details. They haven't called us, fortunately, but uh, but it's just crazy. The whole thing's nuts. You don't have to talk to them, Ballas. I don't, and I will not. I refuse. So unless they give me the right amount of money, but no, no. But regardless, <laughs> fellas, uh, it's gone away, and I think you know what? That's not going to be part of the legacy because they won it all. If they'd fallen short, fellas, then I think you would still have a lot of people saying they only got there because they cheated. R- Ryan in the uh, in the chat. Andy quickly went from orgy to cheating. You guys are on fire tonight. That's all I can say. On fire. Uh, but the Connor Stallions, yeah. Connor Stallions, by the way, now doing cameos for 70 bucks. Like, yeah. Should we should we hire Connor Stallions to congratulate Coach Harbaugh on his new job? Like, wow. You That's think he'd do it? 
I threw 70 bucks his way. (laughs) (laughs) I'll chip in five. If you guys got some more people there, we actually ran into Connor out at the Rose Bowl. We were at universal and he happened to be there and for two hours picked his brain on stuff. It was fascinating. Uh, I think you're going to see him do a documentary at some point about this whole thing. Uh, It's just, it it really is a 30 for 30 guys, or maybe even an E60. There are layers to this that people don't even know about that are just absolutely fascinating as to, you know, who hired the PI Michigan's convinced as I wrote and told you that it was Ohio state and Ryan day knew about it and so on and so forth. And they say they've got paper trails and everything else. So someday, hopefully the entire truth comes out because I can't wait to see it on the big. I will believe about 90% of this when I see it, Uh, but I, I do want to know, like, did Connor say he'd email you the, the, the The manifest. Do we, can you call it to the person or do you want to call it a, like, do you say, can I see your book? Because like we all know it's a manifesto, but I don't know if I'd call it a manifesto to him. I, You know what? It is amazing how, I mean, he's almost like a rock star out there. People were buying him beers and everything else. And I'm like, you know, some people say, oh, he disgraced the program. And other people are like, oh, my God, that's Connor Stallions. I took a picture of a fan in the stands at the championship game. He lifts up his shirt, a he, and it says free Connor Stallions written on his chest. It's nuts. <laughs> so, but again, guys, this is all much a much bigger deal if you know if, if Ohio State had waited or whoever turned them in had waited until the end of the year you know what then they wouldn't have had any chance at all to have proven that they were the best team in the country that's the interesting part of this to me is that then you're going back and say okay they must have been cheating the whole time but now you had a chance to prove yourselves and uh, to me that eliminates the, the the most of the asterisk anyway there's always going to be people that have questions about well I, I also think it no matter who turned in who the way it happened was so much worse for Ryan Day in Ohio State because they lost to the interim coach than it would have been otherwise. Like, and, and that's just purely by chance the way that happened. But it wound up looking so much worse. And it's like we went back to when the guy in the chat said third base Sharon. Like, mm-hmm. no, Sharon is 1-0 against Ohio State. Like, that just makes Ohio State look terrible. Yeah. And two days before the game, he goes on a Ryan Day goes on a a local TV show and he says, now it's clear why we were losing. You know, everything will come out and I'll talk about it at the right time. He backed himself into a corner, guys, where he had to win that football game, even though it was reported that they knew about the signal thing the year before. They didn't have any excuses in the 45 to 23 game in Columbus. But, you know, the fan base is going to cling to that. But now he goes out there and he says, you know what? Now we know what was going on. It's up to us to win that game and to fix it, and then you get beat by an interim coach. Right. And once you once you establish that, you're saying, okay, this game that's going to be played on Saturday is is straight up, and therefore we must win it. So yeah, it is. It, it now he's under the more the, the most pressure, and you know I, we've talked about on this show all week what Ohio State's doing to ramp up the roster. I think the moves they've made are very good. Like I I, I think Ohio State's gonna be really good next year, mm-hmm. but. They gotta beat Michigan. Like, and we don't know that it's gonna be Michigan, Ohio State. They play and then they play again the next week in the Big Ten championship game because now Oregon's in the mix, Washington's in the mix. What if Andy Kotelnicki runs a really fun offense at Penn State? Like, we don't know what's gonna happen. No. How much does it help? How much does it help? You know, I know a lot of Michigan fans are probably frustrated that this is drug on for so long, but in light of like Andy's column. Uh, from just a week ago, basically, or five days ago, uh, saying, you know, it would behoove the Wolverines uh, to kind of see what's happened at Alabama, Washington, et cetera, and, and, and promote Sharon more to avoid kind of that roster wrecking. How much does it help, Chris, that, that this has drug on, and now we've kind of crossed this Rubicon of the academic calendar where it will be difficult for these guys. Yes, Michigan's roster can be plucked, in the 30-day window, but these guys are already enrolled in classes. The spring yeah. semester everywhere has started. You can make some exemptions, but, you know, if these guys are going to, you know, mess up their academic uh, standing, it may be, they may, it, it may, they may be wary to make a move there. It's a tight group fellas. And, and Sharon Moore is a huge part of that. And so I don't see a whole lot of roster movement here. I don't. Uh, and that's just not, that's not just me talking as a Michigan Homer or whatever. This is me having interviewed these kids for a long time and guys like Will Johnson, uh, his dad played here. Uh, I spoke again to, to some of the NIL people tonight. They said they aren't even worried about him. Uh, he has basically come out and said, you know what, uh, the culture here, this program, this is my program and my brothers feel 
the same way. And I think that's the case. Uh, they had one guy offered $800,000, fellas, another one $400,000. They aren't making that at Michigan, but they decided to stick around. And that's not going to change, I think, with Sharon Moore in charge. So uh, I could see a couple of guys uh, here and there, and it's going to be hard to keep them. But Michigan's NIL efforts have gotten better since the national championship. Still not where they need to be. Maybe a third of what Ohio State is, guys, from the NIL guys that I've talked to. So it needs to get better. How do they change that? I mean, it's not like Michigan has a massive alumni base, a wealthy alumni base. Is it is it a philosophical thing that they need to to get across at this point? Yeah, and they need the athletic department 100% behind it. And I think that's changed and that's finally gotten to that point. But, you know, it's a little late at this point. This should have been something where if you're proactive, you're being prepared for this because you don't have that $5 million donor at this point. Stephen Ross's money is all tied up. The owner of the Dolphins, you know, there are buildings named for him. Everybody just assumes that somebody can drop 5 or $10 million like is going on here. But you know what's the best motivator, guys, is losing. And we've seen it at Ohio State. We are not going to let this happen again. So maybe it will take a lean year or two for the Michigan fan base to really jump on board. I think you're right about that. I mean, Texas got way ahead of the curve on this, and it's because they had not been as successful as they wanted to be. Like, they were ahead of the NIL curve as soon as it started. Oregon was because they weren't winning at the, the, the level they wanted to win. Tennessee, Nebraska, they were really not winning at all. And, and wanted to change their fortune. So, yeah, it's interesting because I think we found with Nick Saban leaving Alabama that they were in a different situation. Like, they had they had a Nick Saban discount. Guys would take less to get developed by Nick Saban. And guess what? When it's not Nick Saban, maybe they don't take less anymore. Right. And proof of concept. Back. Yeah. Go ahead, Jesse. Yeah, it's a proof of concept. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that Georgia's benefiting from that now. Um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, Texas can pay, but I think the more that they continue to develop, maybe they won't have to pay as much because you start to send some defensive linemen and some offensive linemen to the NFL. Those have been, you know, positions of absence for the Longhorns for several years. Just Bijan Robinson was our first first round pick since uh, Vince Young, which is an insane Mal stat. Mal to Malcolm, say about Brown. Texas. Malcolm Brown was Off the last pick of, offensive, of offensive, the first round. Yeah. Yeah, 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 first yeah. offensive yeah. player. Excuse me. Need, need to add that qualifier. So yeah. it's, it's a phenomenal, we're at a phenomenal, you know, just kind of pivot point for college football. Who's the second best coach in the sport now? Yeah. Now that Ooh. Harbaugh's gone, Saban's gone. There's it's only Kirby three active and... head coaches. There's only three active head coaches with the national championship, Kirby, Dabo, and Mac Brown. Yeah. And Dabo's no kind of lost fastball, right? A little bit, right. some people would say. So it's nuts. Who's fellas. number two? Yeah, Sharon Moore, clearly, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Not yet. I, I mean, S Sark's got a case. I, I mean, you, you can go degree of difficulty like Lance Leipold at Kansas, who, by the way, would love the Michigan job if they if they were to hire from outside, but I don't think he's going to get that opportunity. I'm sure his agent would love Kansas to believe that they might do it. That's what that we will see. If it, Does anybody get raises off of this thing? Because like lots of people got raises off Alabama. I don't know if anybody's going to get any raises off of this sucker. Yeah, great question. Not not the Michigan one. Uh, you know, maybe some of the Michigan coordinators. You know what? If they threw a boatload of money at Jesse Minner and said, sure. hey, stick around. But he's going to have options, fellas. That guy's brilliant. And I, it's probably it sounds like he'll probably go to L.A. with Jim. You know, and I asked him immediately after the game, the Washington game, you know, there are going to be rumors and goes, now's not the time. But again, we'd heard from so many people that the NFL was his next stop. The Eagles interviewed him last year. Uh, so that tells you how highly thought of he is. And uh, that's going to continue. Um, so, but they are going to throw a lot of money. I think at, at an assistant coaching pool, what they need to realize is that they can't go on the cheap fellas. If you're going to hire a Sharon Moore, then you better give him everything he needs in terms of NIL in terms of an elite coaching staff. And that means keeping Ben Herbert as well and keeping this thing rolling uh, for talent as well. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The thing is, you can probably pay him $6 million less than you were paying Jim Harbaugh. Like, so... You you can use that money on coordinators too. Uh, Zach Zinter, the the Michigan offensive lineman, tweeted: "No interviews needed. It's Papa Moore's time." So 
You got you got that one. I mean, it's it feels like a fait accompli, Jesse. That and, and Chris was was pretty adamant about it, and and has been adamant about it for weeks. That this is this is how it'll go down. Yeah, the seven the seven days thing, I think, is gonna you know the more that that gets out there, uh, is probably gonna be the you know that would probably behoove Michigan. Um, to maybe kind of promote that, that this is, you know, we had, there's a timeline here. We have to follow, uh, th this deal because I do think some people probably believe, Hey, if it is Sharon Moore, why can't you announce this move tomorrow? And, and the fact that there is a little bit of, uh, you know, work legwork that they technically need to do behind the scenes to say, Hey, to actually rubber stamp this deal. It, the Zach Zenner and more players coming out and being like, Hey, we, this is our guy, even if it's not official, I think will help the program. Yeah. And, and it will help just reinforce, Hey, he he's coming, right? It's going to be exactly. him. Calm down everybody. And, and I think the sooner now you don't have to wait seven days. If you can get Ben Herbert to stay the strength coach, the sooner you can say he's staying, you just throw throw a little raise his way or a big raise, however you want to handle it. I don't, I would imagine Jim Harbaugh would like to take him. The reason I, I seem so sure about this is NFL teams don't really need strength coaches the way that college teams do. They don't, it doesn't work the same way. Guys have their own private trainers. So NFL teams are not usually willing to invest the way college teams are in those guys. But I think if you can lock that guy down, like put the graphic up tonight, he's staying. Yeah. And, and again, especially if you know you're going to lose Jesse Minner, because I think the the biggest backbones and foundation of Michigan's turnaround the last couple of years under Harbaugh has been this, you know, development within the strength and conditioning program, you know, emphasizing that toughness, that nastiness, uh, you know, Sharon Moore's been right there with his gnarly offensive lines, but then you've had these great defenses and her, you've kind of, you know, Jim Harbaugh himself, I wrote it today, Jim Harbaugh himself called Ben Herbert kind of the X factor of the program. And you mentioned how many players have sung his praises. Yeah, announced that he that he's going to be the, the strength and conditioning coordinator again. And then, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, some of these, you know, if you have some extra funds because you're not going to have to pay Sharon more $10 million a year as a first-year head coach, go out and land a, a big-time defensive coordinator. You keep Clint yeah. Scale and some of these other guys on staff, but go get a guy that has experience a la Jim Leonard or somebody like that. Exactly. LJ in the chat uh, misunderstood what I said completely. Not shocked that Staples has no idea about Texas and IL, which was way overblown. They would barely sit around the top 10, way overblown in the amount Texas and IL spent. I'm not saying they spend the most. I'm saying they spend the best. I'm saying they're good at it. They're good at identifying who they want and going and getting them, and they're good at retaining the guys they need to retain. That's being good at NIL. Spending the most is not good at NIL. Notice I didn't say Texas A&M. Like, there's a difference. Well, some would argue, Andy, they, ne they didn't necessarily spend it. They uh, they right. they uh, planned to spend it. Right. If you if you right, if you leave before they can spend it on you for three four years, then yeah. maybe they didn't. But yeah, I this will this will be a fascinating year in college football. And we've had, we've had to say goodbye to Chris Ballas because he's been covering this story for two weeks and his battery just died on us. Like it died. And that's, that's how it goes. But uh, check out the Wolverine because they have it all covered about what's next at Michigan. Stay with us on three. We'll obviously be updating, you know, Pete Nakos has already got a story up about how the, the transfer portal opening when a coach leave works. Now, it doesn't mean anybody's going to jump in necessarily, but it is something that that you're going to watch. And Jesse, let's be real. Michigan has really good players that people are going to try to Alabama might want. Yeah, yeah. That Washington might want. Or Georgia, want. I mean, or, yeah. or Texas, or, or Oregon, or Tennessee, or whoever. Yes. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. I think Al the irony is, is that uh, we have discussed now ad nauseum that this is not going to happen that it is going to be Sharon Moore. It is, again, you know, almost a formality at this point. But if a Brian Kelly or if there was, if Michigan decided to take this search well, national, I do think a lot of other programs would be rooting for that because the more chaos would open up more dominoes more down players, the line. yes. Yeah, I mean, if, yes. if, if LSU's roster was available to be poached, 
there would be just teams. Oh my God. It'd just be a, a feeding frenzy. Uh, and, and that would create a domino because who would the Tigers get? But again, it, we, we seem to, it seems to be a formality that, you know, interim OC or interim O-line OC, uh, Sharon Moore will, will get the job there. I, and also I just love it when O-line coaches become head coaches. Offensive linemen are the best people in the world and O-line coaches know how to handle these. The, they, they have the biggest position group. They have the, the biggest disparity in personalities. Usually they've got to manage. And it is, it's fun to see because for a long time it was like, oh, those guys don't, you know, we can't have them be coordinators. We can't have them be head coaches. Uh, O-line coaches and head coaches, the wave of the future, Jesse. <laughs> Andy Reid getting it done in the NFL. Soon to be Sharon Moore getting it done at the college level. Going to be so much fun. Guys in the chat, it's not going to be Brian Kelly. He's not leaving LSU. I cannot stress this enough. It will not be Brian Kelly. Feel free to send this to All Takes Exposed. It will not be Brian Kelly. Is that is that emphatic enough, Jesse? I think he hammered. I think he hammered that point home. All right. Well, all right. Before we go, we're not an NFL show, but let's talk about this. Jim Harbaugh's with the Chargers now. Do you think he can get that Super Bowl? This is a guy in in four years with the 49ers. The first three went to the NFC Championship game. One of those, he went to the Super Bowl, lost to his brother. Beyonce performed. There was a blackout. I don't think that caused the loss. But do you think he gets that Super Bowl that eluded him? I, I think he's got a shot. I mean, it would be naive to, to, to just outright dismiss it because he's a guy who's won everywhere. Um I, you know, not knowing the, the, it seems like reading a little bit, the chargers have some cap issues. Yes. Specifically defensively. Um, but when you have, you got your quarterback and, and you do have some other talent on the roster. You got a Bosa uh, brother. You got a Bosa brother. You got some, you got some pretty good offensive linemen. Um, you know, that's Does Joey Bosa want to play for, for a Michigan man though. Ohio um, State yeah. star Joey Bosa. I, well, I think he's I'm probably sure. okay. He's He's got a big contract. I think he'll be fine with it. Yeah, I mean, it, I think probably what also uh, helps Jim Harbaugh, ironically, is that even though he's going back uh, to a big city, a, a major market in L.A., the Chargers are the little brother. And, you know, they, they, they don't get nearly the shine um, as even the L.A. Rams, which are over, you know, overblown in their own, uh, city by the Lakers and the Dodgers and everything else yeah. going on. So I think he'll be given, you know, the, the fact that the Spanos family, which has been considered notoriously cheap, did land Jim Harbaugh. I mm -hmm. think that speaks yep. to the investment there. And so I think much like his tenure at Michigan, he's going to get a long rope, which means if you're banking on him potentially winning a Super Bowl in let's say five to six years, I would, I would give it decent odds. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see what they do from a personnel standpoint because the, the coaches in college expect 100% personnel control. Like, that's what you get in college. Now, that may change as, as the era and the rules change, but in the NFL, most people don't get that. So I bet Harbaugh gets more personnel control than we think or than, than, than most coaches would get because, remember, it was, it was issues with the general manager that derailed him. Yeah, in in San Francisco, and so and they don't have a, do they think, don't have a GM yet with the Chargers. They just no, hired him no. first. So he right assume he would have some input into that, or at least get to meet the some of the candidates and say this is who I'd like to work with if possible. But I I can't wait to see it. Cannot wait to see what happens next at Michigan. Uh, can they play defense in the portal? Is Sharon Moore just signing up? You know, waiting. You know, the the posting period ends. Sharon Moore goes. I think that's probably what happens. But it's you know, who does he hire as his DC? Because they're probably losing Jesse Mentor. So, a lot of questions to be answered. We will be covering them all in the coming days and weeks on this show. We do it every night. Normally, we do it at 8 p.m. Eastern time, Thursday through, sorry, Sunday through Thursday. But tonight, obviously, there was breaking news, so we went a little early. But Sunday through Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, 
be here on YouTube. Subscribe to the like, L3 Sports YouTube channel. That's right. Smash that like button. I never say Smash that, Jesse. It. I should say it more. Smash it. <laughs> All right. Jim Harbaugh, off the NFL. Bring a new air. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.